You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Hey, can you listen to my nice, sultry voice now, Bracken? Do I sound better? That is a lot better. Yes! I had to reset my computer and it recognized my microphone. Must have been something funny with me, like, moving and things. Kirk moved this past week. And so ever since then, his this new room is all wood panel or whatever he's got. And we thought it was just the worst acoustical room ever. And it turns out his mic wasn't recognized. So it was just going through his headphones the whole time. Uh-huh. Now we're back in action. Finally got that fixed. Woo. So how you doing, Hawk? How's, uh, how's the week treating you after your big debut? Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I'm a little sore. I was like Sunday, Sunday was definitely, well, like, on Saturday after the race, I had a friend's wedding up in Logan. And so driving to and from there and everything, like I ended up spending like eight hours inside a car, like after my race. So I'm sure that didn't help. Like when Sunday morning rolled around, I was like, oh man, like I'm sore, man. Like I'm sore in places I haven't been sore in a long time. <laughs> you made a comment that uh, it's a lot different than running on the track. Oh yeah. That's true, huh? Yeah, a lot different than running on the track. I asked him when you were off how often he gets up there. He said, "Well, I've you know not during college, but I've I've been I've been prepping for this for the last eight weeks. A whole, <laughs> a whole eight weeks. A whole eight weeks. Yeah, you got to prep a, whole, for that. a whole eight weeks. <laughs> you know what I thought about right away with you because I believe Hawk, you have uh, you have a cross country season still ahead of you, correct? Yeah, I've got one more season of cross." Was this one of those like, uh, hey, coach, do I have your blessing to go and just totally mess with my build for cross or I'm going to do this anyways? <laughs> no, I, I didn't tell my coach about this at all. I was like, I, I don't even know if he knows now. I mean, unless someone else told him. But no, I this is very much so. Uh, this is summer. I kind of get a little more freedom and leeway in my training. And so I was like, I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> So people were incorrect when they said you just graduated. Yeah, no, I've not graduated yet. I've got I've got one more semester. So in December, as long as I don't fail any classes anyways, then in December I'll graduate with my bachelor's degree and finish up running at the same time. Okay. So it's not ideal that they put this race on YouTube. It's I mean, it's all right. I mean, this is I mean, the whole reason I did this was to, like, go and see what I could do, like, right now off of, you know, like, eight weeks of specific OCR training, but, like, you know, plenty of years before that of just running background in general. And so this was very much to just go out there, have fun, see what I can do against, you know, like Atkins and those top guys, and then just kind of build off of that. And so with that in mind, I'm very happy with how it went. I mean, I performed – as well as I was hoping to. So, yeah. Did you think perfect world you 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 could win it, or were you thinking you know best case I probably come up a little short because I only had eight weeks. I I was going for the win. Yeah. I was like I knew like from the very beginning I was like I my goal was to gap Atkins and anybody else as much as I could going into that final like mile gauntlet of obstacles because that's where mm-hmm. the majority of the heavy lifting was. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I know that those bigger guys are going to, you know, 
crushed me on those heavier obstacles. And so I went into it from the beginning being like, hey, like, I want to win this thing. And so I need to get as big of a lead as possible. And that worked great for the first nine, 10 miles until I hit that final climb. And then Atkins caught me and then it was just to keep as close to him as I could for the rest of it. <laughs> Were you fading or was he closing or is it a bit of both? I think it was a little bit of both. On that last, the last climb, because um, there were like three major ascents. On the third one, it was literally like up a riverbed. It was like up a creek, mm-hmm. basically, with like flowing water. And so I was practically power hiking slash jogging up it. And every, oh, probably every like 100 feet or so, Atkins would gain like 10 feet on me. And it's so like by the time we got to the top, then he actually gapped me a little bit. We came like, we got back to the flat section. Well, flat, but <laughs> less hilly section at like this time. And so he he definitely gained on me in that last climb. Yeah, when he uh, when it comes to true power hiking terrain, he's tough to keep up with once that's required. Oh, yeah. You, uh, you gave me two chuckle-worthy moments. I watched the replay back. Um, Utah's a race I personally dodged. I live at sea level here in Minnesota, but I'll be in the rest <laughs> of the series. Um, but, uh, after you flipped that tire, it looked like you took a shot of liquor and almost fell over. Uh, I imagine you were hurting. You, you literally looked like you might go down for a second. And then, uh, watching you hang from that rope on the Hercoist. I mean, I know I can imagine what it's like being, doing that as a lighter athlete. And both of those times I'm like, oh man, I know, I know how that must feel. And I'm sure you're like, I'm going to go back a little bit to the, uh, the lab on these when I come back. Is that true? Oh yeah, for sure. No, after, after that tire flip, I was like, I got it over the first time and it was a struggle. I mean, it was like, it was a little bit uphill the first flip. And so I knew that if I could get it over once, then I could get it back over again. And, but that first time I was like, when I got it up to my chest, I was like, please don't drop this thing. Like if I drop it, like I'm not gonna be able to get this thing back up. But then luckily I got it. And then uh, I took a breather for a second. And then the second flip, I must have held my breath while I was flipping it or something. I don't know. But yeah, that like shot of liquor moment, I was like, my vision was like gone. I mean, I was like, it was blurring. I was like, I thought I was going to fall over. I really did. I like kind of stopped and stumbled around for a second. And then like, I kind of caught my breath again. My like vision got back into it. And then I started running again. And then that's when I heard everyone yelling, like, right, right. I was like, because I just was running straight. I was like, I didn't know where the course went. And then everyone was yelling at me, go right, go right. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I was struggling at that moment. And then we got to the Hercules hoist, and that was even worse. I mean, I was like, going into that last gauntlet, I was like, all right. I was like, it would take a miracle to catch Atkins, but I can get second. I can get second. I was confident that I could get second. But then that Hercules hoist was so freaking heavy and it took me so long to get through. I, when I first grabbed on it and tugged, my feet like literally came off the ground. I was like, oh no, this is, this is going to be a grind. And yeah, it just, it took me so long to get through it. <laughs> I did I couldn't believe you did. Most people, when you grab it and you pull and it doesn't move and you, you did, you were off the ground and you yanked for probably five or 10 seconds to gain six or eight inches. And at that mm-hmm. point, once people stall out there that early, you know they're not getting it. And so then I started watching Rylan because he came in and I was just watching his bag and I look over and you're lowering yours down. I thought, I can't believe he even stuck with it. Yeah, my dad was saying the same thing afterwards. He was like, 
that was the only part of the race where I was afraid. I was, I don't know if he's going to make it to the top of that rope. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It was, it was hard. Yeah. Ryland, he just came in in the matter of three seconds. He had it as far up as I had in the span of like 45 seconds. I was like, you gotta be kidding me, man. Like, he just blew through that thing. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> well, he's got to have 25 pounds on you and he wasn't oh. blacking out. Yeah. That, that helps. At that point of the race, I was definitely struggling. <laughs> your uh, your father can't weigh a ton more than you, and I will say I've seen him do some of the fastest hercoise out there, especially at some of the world champ events where he's just on. So there's hope. There's hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's I, definitely hope. Yeah. I um I don't know if this is true, but I wanted you to confirm. Um, was this the first elite race you've ever run in Spartan? Yes. Yeah, I I had done. I think I think this one included was my fourth, I believe, and my last one that I did was um, three. I think it was three summers ago, maybe four summers ago. And yeah, I mean the three that I had done before this one, it was just go out in an open heat. I ran two of them with uh, friends from high school, and we just went out and had a good time, kind of thing. So yeah, this was the first one that I was actually in the elite heat and I was there to win. I mean, that's, yeah. It, it's interesting because when I, when I came into the sport myself, my first race was against Hobie and mm-hmm. he, it was, he was his second year in the sport and I just spent years chasing him and trying to be him. And eventually like I, when, when you were just like running around the courses at that age, when you guys would show up to races, you were just this little guy. And we all talked that, Oh, cause, cause your mom was good too. I don't know if you're yeah. old enough to remember her racing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have memories of her on course. She was a, she was an animal out there too. She'd be like, Oh, I'm not training. I'm just doing Hobie's lunge workout. And then she'd come out and make a podium <laughs> or something. But so we'd always joke that you, he's got this, full cross country team of kids waiting to come up and then no, you guys would do a kid's race or two or open or whatever, but then suddenly you're here and it, it felt like it went right from you were little kids running around to like, there's a 22 year old man running with us. And, and so in one, like on one hand, it's weird that it took until 20, what you're 22 now. 22. Yep. It's weird that it's took until 22 for, you to arrive on the scene since we all expected it for years. But on the other hand, it's kind of crazy that at 22, you're on the scene. It, I'm, I'm conflicted on it because we expected it for so long, but then it's finally here. It feels like it was just a snap of a finger. Yeah. That's honestly, that's kind of what I was hoping for. I was like, I, I have had people ask me for the past couple of years, like, Hey, like, when are you planning on, you know, you're going to, following your dad's footsteps you're gonna go and try to win some of these obstacle course races i was like yeah for sure i was like i definitely want to do that um but right now i'm running in college like that was that's my main that was my main focus i mean it still is for one more semester and so i'd never really gotten anyone's attention because it was just kind of a this will happen in the future kind of thing Mm -hmm. but then this summer um, my dad was like, you know what? You should just train for one for fun. Just take like a couple months, just take the first half of the summer and then go and run the Utah race. He's like, I'm sure we can get you into the elite heat for it. Um, he's like, I can talk to some people. He's like, you can just go and just go see what you can do and have fun with it. And I was like, you know, why not? Sure. Like th- this would be fun to train for, you know, like let's give it a shot. And so that's kind of what I was hoping for. 
was like, was that little bit element of surprise of like, nobody really knew. I mean, I didn't tell anyone beforehand that I was going to do this. I just, I was like, you know what, let's just show up. Let's go have fun. And I did. It was a good time. I mean, I was out on the course and there were multiple times when people be like, are you, are you the first one coming through? Like you're, you're in the league. I was like, yeah. And like, they kind of like look around for like Atkins or some of those other guys. And I'd be like, no, like they're coming. Like, trust me, like they're on my tail. And they're like, wow, like, what's your name? I had so many people ask me, like, what's your name? I'd be like, hot call. And then they'd look at me for a second. They'd be like, Hobie? Hobie, son? And I'd be like, yeah, as I'm, you know, running, like, right. <laughs> running up a mountainside. And I had so many people ask me that. And then I could, like, see it click in their eyes. And then their face would light up. And they'd be like, oh, my gosh, like, this is so awesome. Like, good job. Keep it up. Like, you know, you can beat them. You got this. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I, I don't know how much how much your dad talked about all of this and his aspirations and goals for you guys growing up but i i spent probably the first 3 or 4 years of the sport rooming with him on road trips from time to time i probably roomed with your dad more than the other people cuz we were both married we both had kids it was easy none of us wanted to go out afterwards so and 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 we'd talk about kids from time to time and and he called this 7 years ago i believe it I said, so what are you thinking about and with, with your kids? Because I always, we always talked about, will we push our kids into it? Will we just let them play? And if they come back, they come back. He's like, Hawk's, Hawk's the one to look out for. Hawk's the one. He's got a long stride. He's got a longer stride than I ever had. And he's fast. And, and so he called it seven years ago. He said, if he, you know, if he decides he wants to, if he decides he wants to work on it, Hawk's got the one that he'll, he's the one that'll be better than me. Yeah. I, and I'll, I'll never forget, I was sitting in a, at a hotel in Texas with him when he said that. And I thought, okay, Hawk, that'll be an easy one to remember. It'll be funny, interesting to see if of all the kids, you're the one that comes back to it. And then here we are, 22 years old, Hawk's proven him right. So it's it's interesting that he picked out something at an early age that of all the kids, you were the one that probably would want to come back and would probably be the best at it. So what did he see early on? I mean, I guess, I mean, kind of like you said, just having the obstacles in the backyard, like it kept things like every time you go outside to play, then you'd have those obstacles to play on. And so that kind of like encouraged, like encouraged me and just showed how fun it was to go out and do something besides like just run. And then um, high school running, I mean, I was always a better, I mean, I still am a better like cross country runner than I was a track and field runner. And so I think that also helped to just be like, hey, like, you know, you have a lot more fun going and running around on those hilly courses and on that grass than you do on the track. And I was like, that's a good sign for later. If you ever decide you want to do obstacle course racing, then, you know, I mean, it's still it's a big step from cross country, but it's in that direction. Mm -hmm. And then also once I got to college, then I enjoyed doing the steeplechase, uh, the 3000 meter steeplechase. And again, that's just like you know, one step closer to OCR. Um, yeah, really though, it was probably just, I enjoyed running in high school. I had a really good time going out on those nice hot summer days and just getting in those miles and having fun doing those speed workout sessions. And so just having an overall enjoyment of running, I'm sure is what first caught his attention. Are you, um, are you the oldest of the kids? I am. Yep. I have four younger siblings. 
So you're the first um, in line to have this really even this opportunity, the first one who could have grabbed it. Are there are there others in this lineup that have an aspiration to do any of this out of curiosity? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Forrest. So let's see. So it goes me and then Hunter and then Brooke and then Forrest and then Reed. Um, Hunter is on his – he's serving an LDS mission right now currently. And then um, Brooke, she's about to have a kid actually. <laughs> and then we've got Forrest. And Forrest is – he already weighs as much as me. He's probably an inch and a half shorter than me, if even that much. He's almost as tall as me now. He's got bigger biceps than I do. I mean, he's – yeah, Hobie is training him from an even earlier age. And so, like, for OCR, I mean, like, he's – yeah, Forrest is going to be a That's beast. the pet project? I mean, he's – yeah. <laughs> He's he's the pet project. I was like the I was like the pet project for cross country and track. And then I got older, I graduated, went to college and did that and am doing that. And so it worked out great. And now I'm kind of getting starting to get into OCR. But then um Forrest though, yeah, I mean he's he's been doing OCR training and just running training in general um under Hobie for the past probably six to nine months now, maybe even up to a year. And yeah, and he's already, I mean, he's already a strong little bugger. I mean, he's, he's going into his freshman year, this upcoming school year. And high school, high school. Yeah. And like I said, he's, he's already fast. He's already strong. He's already, he, I mean, he's literally running up, the mountain behind our house all the way to the top every Saturday for his long runs. And like I said, I mean, he's up here biceps than I do, which isn't saying much. I'm a little guy, but he's, he's going to be a beat. Do you, so. do you call your father Hobie to his face or just when you talk about him on podcasts? <laughs> um, I do actually. I do, do call him Hobie. I don't, I don't really know why. Maybe, maybe it just kind of started from him racing and from everyone else calling him Hobie. And then when I was at races, then I call him Hobie. And then I don't dad know. Is, I don't dad really... is so boring. you right. I, yeah. So I you. don't know. For, for some reason, Hobie just rolls off the tongue better than dad does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make this interview about him because I feel like that's the narrative. Unfortunately, right now, they couldn't say your name yeah. on the live stream without saying Hobie's son. Yeah. Just the downside of living in the lead, in the shadow of you know the the greatest to ever do our sport is, and he had a personality to go with it. You know he's he's a legend, yeah. and unfortunately, yet fortunately, you're living in that. Um, but it is intriguing to me the way this has played out. So one of the things that your dad's known for is his marathon career, and then going 180 on his training style and going into the extremely low mileage, high volume of workout time, extremely high specificity of training, and that being his go-to then for the next decade. You, however, are now, just like he was, a classically trained high school, college runner. You had the Hobie influence growing up, but then you went off to college and you have to train how the, the college trained. So where, where are you in your training progression and what is your mindset do you default back 
to what you grew up around or are you a bit more of a hybrid in the way you approach everything? I'd say I'm more of a hybrid over the years. Um, like I said, in high school, um, for a cross country season, I would actually train with my high school team. And then for track season, then I would switch over and do Hobie's training because we were trying to um, run a fast mile time on the track. And I enjoyed both. Um, but I felt, I always felt like for me personally, I needed to combine the two. And so I have a very like high belief in no junk miles. Like I, I really, I don't see the point. Like if I go out for a run, then every run has a purpose, but I still run probably, I still run 80 to 90 mile weeks when I'm at my max mileage. And so I run a lot more than my dad did in his OCR days, but. But that's what he ran post-collegiately. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. And his marathon days, and he was running yeah. 90 to 110 mile weeks frequently. Um, and so, yeah, I'd say like comparison to Hobie wise, we're probably pretty close to along the same path. So who knows, five, 10 years down the road, my training could get a lot more specific. Mm -hmm. But right now, I definitely enjoy the more hybrid of still higher miles, but there's no just go out and get a run type of thing. Like it's all very specific, like it has a purpose and a reason. And can you break yeah. that down a little bit? Yeah. So if you're hitting, if you're hitting 70 to 90 miles with purpose, how do you fill that? What do yeah. those days look like? So three times a week. Well, are you talking about like for college or for leading up to this Spartan race? Uh, I mean, you can touch upon college if you want. I assume it's more of a classic program where uh, yeah. they're running volume and they got their quality days and they've got their easy days and they've got their tempo day. You know, they've got their days where it sounds like you have something integrated into every day when you're not around the college environment. So you can touch on college if you want, but then I definitely want to get to the second part. Gotcha. No, we'll just focus on these last, these last two months, these last, these past eight weeks. Um, so like I said, I've been, I switched over my training a little more from just um, running, hitting a specific amount of miles every day to a specific amount of time because my training went from on the roads to on the mountains. And as everyone knows, like running in the trails, it's just a lot more effort goes into those miles than it does on the flat roads. And so I converted it over to time-wise. And so I built up to twice, I'd have three workouts a week. Um, on Mondays, I would do a more flat um, speed and usually it was loops like at a local park or something like that. And then with each loop, then I would throw in either a weighted vest run or a bucket carry or a farmer's carry. And so my bucket was 60 pounds. And then the farmer's carries, I'm actually not 100% sure how many of those weigh. I don't remember. Um, but so each loop, and I would do that for about 45 minutes to an hour of where I pretty much just run like 800 meters, do one of those th three things, run 800 meters, do one of those three things repeatedly um, with the running sections being like fast, like I was pushing it, especially since it was on the flat. And then Tuesdays, 
I would have fast, like faster than threshold. Like, yeah, like faster, faster than like a tempo type of pace, like enough yeah. to where when you got to the next like carry, then you were, you know, you were nice and out of breath. You're like, okay, like that was a good, not a sprint, obviously, because it was like 800 meters, um, but a good, a good hard pace. This is sounding a little bit like your dad's work off back in the day, his what half mile or five minute run and lunge, burpee, broad jump, lunge, run yeah. more. Yeah. It, I mean, it kind of, it kind of was. Yeah. yeah. I'd say it's faster than 10 K pace, probably closer to five, five K pace. Okay. Probably. So, so you're working on so, the runs. Yeah. Yeah. You're working on the runs. I'd say I was probably averaging, uh, close to 230 to 245 for the 800 meters. And so anywhere anywhere from 5 anywhere from 5 minute to 530 minute pace for the 800 meters okay. and then the carries and then repeat for about 40 45 minutes. Um and then uh Tuesday um honestly I guess now that I think about it more specifically, I guess you could say Tuesday was sort of a junk miles day. Um, that was just like an hour to an hour and 15. The whole purpose of it was to recover, but it would still be in the trails of just up and down, up and down. I probably, I probably averaged close to 1,500 to 2,000 feet of elevation gain on all of my trail runs. And so even though they were recovery, it was still up on the mountain, just getting used to going up and then back down and then up and back down because I knew that's what the Utah race was going to be. I mean, they're going to just send you up the ski slope and then make you sprint back down it and then send you up and sprint back down it. And so that's what I was trying to train for. Are you able to keep your heart rate low enough on those days? Do you do you play the heart rate monitor game or do you not want to know? I do not. I do not keep track of any of that stuff. I... Um, I wear a watch specifically, uh, just for time. And so I'll, I'll wear it to know how long I've been out there, but I don't keep track of the heart rate stuff or okay. I, I just like know that. like when you, when you do recovery work with, with hitting clients, it's easy to, to go over what recovery work should look like on like a physiological front. So I was just curious there. I typically send my athletes out on more flat work for recovery purpose, but I suppose if you do it often enough and you know your body well, then you can recover while chasing vert, we call it. So, all right. I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it honestly, it probably ranged quite a bit from day to day and from week to week. I mean, I had some days where, I mean, like I said, I didn't keep track of that kind of stuff. So it was solely off of pretty much all of my training really is off of how my body and like mind feel. And so, like, if I feel like I'm going too hard on a recovery date, then I'll just slow down, um, even if it's slower than some people may think I should typically be going. <laughs> but it's it's solely based off of feel and effort. The majority of my workouts are. I think I only actually kept track time wise of one workout, and that was one that I would do with Hobie in Tooele every other Saturday. And so I'll get to that one in a second, but that one's a brutal one. Um, oh, it's interesting because you say you don't believe in junk miles. And what that usually means is people go hammer every day. But it sounds like you don't struggle with that. You don't have a problem going as slow as you need to when you need to. Yeah, maybe 
maybe I shouldn't have thrown out there the whole junk miles thing because it totally it it honestly kind of depends on on what your definition of it is, I guess. Because mm-hmm. like I know in college in college running, then like we'll have a certain amount of miles that we need to hit every day or like every week, but then you break that up throughout the day. And so you'll have runs where you'll be like, oh man, like I'm two miles short today. So I'm just going to go out and go get those two miles so that I can yeah. hit my number for the end of the week. And my, that's my definition of junk miles. And so I don't do that. Like if I'm a little short because I was feeling beat up earlier on in the week, then I won't be like, you know, I need to hit that number. I need to go get it. That's, that's more my definition of junk miles. So I definitely, I still have my recovery days for sure. Like every, every other day during the week is a recovery day. So I have three hard workouts and three recovery days. So on those recovery days, then, I mean, you could say that those are junk miles depending on your view. I like that. I like that definition. A junk mile is something without a physiological purpose. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's, that's a good description. I feel, I feel like junk miles are like the, you, you don't really like, you're not choosing to go hard. You're not choosing to go easy. You're going to run for the sake of running and you have no plan when you step out the door. And that always just ends up muddying the waters for what's later that week. Right. And then you're never exactly. really productive. That's junk. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so then Wednesdays, Wednesdays were my more, uh, another speed day, but these were hilly. And so I'd go to the mountainside. And um, I would do same thing, bucket brigade, farmer's carry, and weight vest, except for I'd go for 10 minutes um, or so six minutes up the trail and then four minutes just bombing down it. And so it was hard paced. Um, these ones were a little slower, obviously, because there was more elevation gain with it. Um, so, yeah, hard up, hard down. And then I do a carry up to – just one of the telephone poles on the side of the road. I don't know how far it was, but it was a pretty good distance. It probably took me probably took me close to two to two and a half minutes to get up and down it with the bucket or the farmer's carry. And then I would do that four times. And so four 10-minute intervals with the carries. And then for Thursday, um, let's see, that was Monday. Yeah, Thursday was just another recovery day. Uh, Friday would typically be either a my long run or if I was feeling extra beat up that week, then I'd take two recovery days before my workout on Saturday. But most of the time it turned into a long run. And so my long runs at first were like an hour 35 to an hour 40. And then each I'd just bump it up like five or 10 minutes, five or 10 minutes. And then at the end, my long run, my last long run before the race was two Saturdays before, and that was running uh, Mount Timpanogos, which I actually did with Ryland and Benny Gifford, um, the guy that took second and kicked my butt at that Hercules voice. <laughs> but anyhow, that was a fun run, though. Um, and then Saturday, I would go down to Tooele, and I would do um, my – let's see. So Hobie had a workout back in the day on the mountainside in Erda behind our house that was his key workout that he would time to keep track of to see like how he progressed throughout his years of training and so he had his times written down on a whiteboard and he was like you'd come and do this workout with me at least every other saturday 
and you get your times as close to or faster than my times of when I was at my peak back in the day. He's like, and you can win this race. He's like, I guarantee it. You beat my times, you can beat Atkins. That's what he would tell me. I was like, okay. I was like, you know what? Like, I'll take your word for it. Let's do this thing. Like, I'm getting serious. Let's go for it. Let's go all the way. And so every other Saturday, I'd drive down to Tooele, and I'd do this workout with him. He would ride his mountain bike because he just had his his hernia surgery. There we go. He just had his hernia surgery. So he would ride his mountain bike while I would run the loop and do his farmer's carries. And so the loop took about, depending on how fast I was going, about eight and a half to nine minutes. And so I don't know. I don't actually know how far the loop was. I never measured it distance-wise. But time-wise, my fastest time, I believe, was a an eight. Crap, I can't remember. Like an eight twenty something. And his fastest time for that loop was in the low eights. And so I got pretty close. But his his times for that workout were about ten to fifteen seconds faster than I got mine down to. And so after that. That's that's probably where he got the main idea of like, all right, like winning it may be a little bit of a stretch, but he's like, you can podium. He's like, I'm positive you can podium. He's like, beating Atkins, it would take a lot and it would be like, you'd have to be at your very best that day. Um, but he was like, but you've gotten your times pretty close to mine. And so just within the span of like 10, 15 seconds off, He's just like, so you might, he's like, you might be able to take it depending on the day. And so that's when things really got, you know, a little exciting. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. like I can do this. Well, let's do this. And yeah. Anyhow, that's my, that, that's my week of training. So probably about miles wise, I really don't know, but cardio hours wise, close to eight to nine hours of running. And then I would also have, um, like small 10, 15 minute upper body and core sessions that I would do every day, um, which was really just push ups, pull ups, and then core, like crunches, star crunches, sit ups, just nothing planks, nothing really fancy. You're not doing his 60 minute lower body workout? <laughs> no. Yeah. Hovi, he got real intense in his, uh, I mean, his warm-ups were like 30 minutes long. <laughs> like, I, yeah, none of, none of that stuff. They got to be long. Once you get old, your warm-ups get longer and longer and longer. His warm-ups were workouts. They really were. No, when I was younger, when I was around like sixth grade, then my workouts were literally his warm-ups. Like, he, he just came out with his uh, – the workout DVD that he made with his brother, Frosty. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I'd plug it in. I'd go to the warm up section. And that was my entire workout was just doing his warm up. Like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I um, what I want to do here, if you don't mind, Bracken, is I want to get, I mean, I'm glad to have the snapshot of your training and all. Um, I really want to know what it was like, like, uh, like in the beginning, like growing up we can resume the training and then how the race that just happened and all of that at the end. But like you grew up in the call household. Like, what was that? What was that like? Like being a kid in Utah with the playground in the backyard, like what was growing up like for you? Yeah, no, I mean, we, we definitely, once Hobie got into 
obstacle. Once he got into Spartan racing, then we definitely had the coolest yard in the town. How old were you when his first race? How old were you? His first race was 2011, right? Yeah. So I would have been 12. If his first race was in 2011, which I believe it was, either 2011 or 12, I think. It, at, at latest, it was 2011. Because my first was fall 2011, and he was already the man. Okay. So maybe it his was, first was in 2010 then. Yeah, it must have been 2010. So I, so I would have been around 10 or 11, 10 or 11 okay. years old when he did his first race. Um, yeah, from that point on, I mean, we definitely had the coolest, uh, yard in the entire neighborhood. Our house was a hot spot. I mean, like kids would come around from the neighborhood to play at our house. I mean, we had, you know, we had the walls, we had the spear throws, which we only brought out when certain <laughs> neighborhood kids were around. <laughs> that definitely was one of the, uh, more VIP <laughs> type of obstacles. <laughs> um, but yeah, and we had like, we had a zip line in our backyard. We had the trampoline, we had the, you know, the little barbed wire crawls, but with twine instead of barbed wire. Um, we had the walls. We had, yeah, we had all sorts of stuff. I mean, at one point we even had, uh, had a weaver in there and I mean, yeah, parallel bars. We just had all sorts. Of stuff. So your father turned the whole yard into an absolute, as soon as he was in, he built the whole thing out instantly. And then oh, yeah. you had a, you didn't need to go to the playground because why? Yours was better. No. Yeah. When we, I think we moved to Erda in 2014. It was around 2014 that we moved into our house in Erda, which is in Tooele. And we just had a big open grass backyard. And so, yeah, he totally took of that. I mean, we had a, well, like I said, we had a trampoline, zip line. Um, barbed wire crawl, spear throw, just a rope climb, a rope swing. Just we had all sorts of fun stuff. What'd you grow up doing? Were you athletic from an early age? Were you doing other stuff before running? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, I grew up mostly until I was eight years old. We lived down in St. George and we didn't have a TV. We, um, we, I think we got one of the big box TVs with just a DVD player when I was probably close to six or seven. And before that, I mean, we were outside all the time. I mean, me and my younger siblings, it would have just, it was just Hunter and Brooke at that point when we were in St. George. Um, but yeah, we were out playing at parks. We were doing um, barefoot walks in St. George. My dad has always had a little fascination with doing barefoot stuff. I don't know why, but he does. And so, yeah, we would go on barefoot walks up on the hills in St. George in the summer. I mean, it'd be like, you know, 90 to 100 degrees outside. And we'd be running from sidewalk to sidewalk across the black pavement because it was so hot. And it was like, we had a great time. That was so much fun. <laughs> and, yeah, we'd go to the parks. We'd ride our bikes everywhere. We, um, we barely used our car. I mean, I read... Uh, my mom's job down there was reading water meters, which I don't even know if people have to do that anymore. I'm pretty sure it's just done automatically. But yeah, Sometimes just, they still you know, do. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Sometimes I'm sure they do. And so, yeah, we would just walk around from house to house with my mom. She'd push um, Brooke and Hunter around in their stroller. And we'd just go from house to house reading water meters all day during the summer. No babysitters, so you just had to tag along. Yeah, yeah, we, we just tag along. My mom's like, 
happily tag along or like, mom, I'm not ready to work 40 hours a week with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there was some of both. I, I look back on it now with fond memories, but I'm sure in the moment I definitely had my days and I was like, this sucks. I just want to be home. <laughs> like, don't make me go out and do this again. But no, it was fun. I sh- We had a good time. And so, yeah, we were constantly outside. Um, and then, actually, I got a funny story. Um, our, when the first time that um, we, like, wanted to play, like, video games as, like, siblings, we were all, like, we'd never had video games before this. And I was, like, Dad, I was, like, I want to buy a Wii. And he's, like, okay. He's, like, sure. He's, like, you have to save up the money and buy it yourself, though. He's, like, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. And so I sold all my Pokemon cards. I, you know, did some random neighborly chores for people in the neighborhood. I saved up my money. I bought the Wii. And then once I bought it, then we got uh, Mario Bros. and Mario Kart. And me and my three younger siblings at that point, um, we probably spent a solid, like, two or three days straight just playing video games, catching up on all those years of not having a TV. <laughs> and my dad came downstairs one day after, like, the third day. He's like, okay, this this isn't going to do. So you're going you're gonna to have to start doing workouts before you can uh, play your electronics. And I remember how upset I was. Like, man, like, I bought this with my own money. You know, we, we did this how you said, and now you're telling me that I can't play it. And he's like, no, you can play it. It's just you have to do workouts first. And so that's when I started running. I was like, I was in like fourth grade. And when I was like, I play video games, you got to go outside and run. I was like, okay, deal. And so that's, that's when I started running was to play my Mario Bros and Mario Kart with my siblings. <laughs> Who'd have thought that was the turning yeah. point right there. So I know. You, did right? you play soccer, baseball, anything else growing up? I did. Yeah. I played soccer for probably close to nine years. Um, once we started, once we started moving around a lot, um, like around my probably close to sixth and seventh grade, then we started moving around a lot. I mean, we were moving like every year. I think by the time I was 18 years old, we had moved 13 or 14 times. And so once, um, Hobie's work and it was just whatever, you know, whatever job he could find whatever was going to pay the bills type of a deal. And so, yeah, we just bumped around a lot. And so once we started moving around a lot, then it was just, it was impossible to stay on one soccer team. And so that was another part of the reason why I started running. Cause like, I need, you know, get out there and get some exercise in. So. I mean, as a fourth grader, you don't have the foresight to know you need to move your body. Your reward was dangled in front of you. So you took it, but like, um, but you weren't competing in anything. None of that came to light. Like it was allowed to be play, correct? Like it wasn't like, yeah. uh, like Hawk, let's sign you up for the local 5K or the Hershey track meet down the street. None of that was pushed on you. It was like move your body because you're a kid and that's what you're supposed to do instead of sit in front of a dumb TV, right? It wasn't yes. pushed as performance-wise. No, no. My parents, my parents have always from the start been like, we want you kids to be healthy and to exercise. It's like, but you can choose whatever form of exercise you please. It's like, it's not, it wasn't like a, you need to go and run type of thing. It was just, that's what I chose to do. Um, But yeah, my parents from the very start have not tried to like force us to running or any sport. Um, They've been very 
like if this is what you want to do, then we're here to help you do it because we have a lot of experience doing it for the past, you know, decade, two decades. And so from the very beginning, like you want to do it, we will help you out. It's like, but, you know, if running isn't the way that you want to go, you still need to get some sort of exercise. You know, we want you to be healthy and go and run around and play and, you know, have fun, even if it's just in the backyard. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I was curious because – like, well, that's good. That's good to hear. As a kid, like, for example, mm -hmm. my father had a scrap. He was a state champion in cross country and he had this scrapbook. And I remember just filtering through the newspaper articles, DeWint and company wins state. And I'd go and, and I would just like, like gawk at these things. And he never pushed me once. And I go to watch his little local 5k races and he would do pretty well. And I aspired to be that, but he never, he never once uh, forced it upon me, so to speak. Did, uh, was there anything like that laying around the house or like, was it highlight videos? Not that we want to make this about dad, uh, any more than we have to, but like, was it like that sort of thing? Like you were like, God, I want to be that. Or was that not like from an early age for me? It was, that's why I asked. That's uh, all I wanted to do is be like dad in that way. Did you have a bit of that going on? Oh, for sure. I mean, going in, going and watching him race, just like seeing him go out there and for one, the the thing that caught my eye the most was just how much fun he'd have doing it. I mean, he'd be mm. out there, you know, he'd be going and even when he was like missing the spirit or something like that, then he'd like, he'd throw his hands up and be like, oh man, like, gosh dang it. But then he'd go and happily do his burpees, you know, it's like, there was no point in like any of his races that I watched where he didn't look like he was having fun. I mean, it was, he was just always having a great time out there. Drove me nuts about your father. Drove me <laughs> yeah. nuts. Because what do you do to a guy like that on course? You can't yeah. break a guy like that because no, he has fun doing burpees. Exactly, yeah. Nonsense. Do you know, and not to bring my own story into this real quick, but speaking of that, uh, this was three years ago and I was having the best. I beat your father one time in a race, and it's because he let me, okay? And it was the worst race he has had, I would say, in his – adult career that I know of in Spartan. He ended up taking 11th place at the uh, West Virginia, like North American championships. And, and he was having the worst days ever had. And we're running down descending one of the final descents. And he is leaning up against a water table. This isn't on TV, asking the volunteers how their day was with a smile on his face. And I, and I came up on him and I said, Hobie, everything all right? And he's like, yeah, just not my day. Anyways, great chatting with you ladies. Have a great day. And then he starts running again. And I was like, if I was having the worst race of my career, and that was following the year he was the world champ again, I would have, I would have been a grumpy a-hole. And then when we get there to finish, I don't know if you know this, but we end up going all the way through the finishing gauntlet together. And he gets off the rigs like three seconds ahead of me. And he decides to stop and wait until I hit the ground so we can have a sprint finish together. <laughs> Smiling the whole way in, in the worst race he's had in years. How do you not love that? And I understand, Bracken, what you're saying about drove you nuts. I was like, this is this guy at his worst. What is he at at his best? So it's just like, that's my one anecdotal story of your father, which is like super endearing. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that was definitely, that's definitely what stuck out and ins inspired me to want to do this the most was just how much fun he had with it. I mean, he'd say all the time in interviews or when talking to people, he'd say, it's, uh, he's like, it's a park for adults. So that's what it is. It's like you get to go back to the jungle gym like when you were a kid and you just get to go and have fun doing all these fun obstacles. 
going and doing monkey bars again. Like when, when in your adult life do you ever do monkey bars except for at a Spartan race? <laughs> you know, I was like, you just get to go out. You're going to go have fun. You're going to be a kid again and just enjoy yourself. And so that's definitely what stuck out the most. And then, of course, you know, watching him race online, watching him, I, I, watching him drop that bucket down the hill and then have to scoop all those rocks back in. Man, it was so stinking funny. My mom was like, oh, no. And me and Hunter were just laughing so hard. We were rolling around on the ground. We were like, that was hilarious. <laughs> it was just so much fun to watch, you know? It's like, how could you not want to go and do that yourself, really? And then, of course, watching him put in all those hard days after hard day of just getting off from his – I mean, he had a full-time job. And then he'd come home, and he'd work out in the cold, in the dark, in the garage. And he was just – he was always just so happy to exercise and to go and do it. Like, I very rarely saw a day when he'd be like, okay, like, I just got to go work out and get this done. It was a – I get to go and do this. And so just – Watching that and having that to look up to and, you know, aspire to, it, it's definitely been great. And, yeah, like you were saying earlier, at no point was there like, Hawk, you need to do this. You know, like it was never like forced on me. The entire time it was just I want to do this because I can see how much you enjoy it and how much fun you're having and doing it. So, like, so I want to, you know, I want to see if I can have that for myself as well. And so far I definitely have. It's been a great time. So, so what did that switch flip then? From I'll run to play Mario Kart, because who wouldn't, to, you know what, I think I want to jump in a race, or I want to train so I can get into a race. When did that flip switch? When did that switch flip? <laughs> switch flip? We, we got you. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> no, that probably flipped right around the beginning of high school. It kind of went through junior high. Um, I had started to actually, like, run for purpose. And to train for high school cross country and track. And then my freshman year, or the summer before my freshman year, um, I was like, that was like the first summer that I really took seriously and told myself, I want to run fast. Like, I don't want to just run anymore. I want to run fast and I want to compete in high school cross country and track. And so that's when things switched and things just went from run and, you know, just exercise in general every day. Um, to play video games or just to stay in shape or whatever it was at the time to I want to go and I want to be the best on my team. I want to win state. You know, I want to break records. I want to set PRs, that kind of stuff. That makes sense. I remember, man, it's almost impossible to talk to you without talking about your dad. And so I apologize for that. <laughs> it's but <okay>. we, <laughs> He and I were chatting one day about when he decided you – you decided or he decided that you would train together to to run a fast mile and he wanted to what run 420 or something he wanted he wanted me to break four in the mile that was that was our goal yeah and and he was gonna run and he was gonna run something crazy fast too yeah and he was an ocr racing at the time i think yeah yeah Yep. And he was an OCR race and he said, I think I'm going to come back even faster because of this. So at that point, he was fired up as always about training. Was that your mile pursuit or his, or did that just coincide with I'm all in on track? And he's like, well, let's go all in on this, in this manner. That that's a tough one. I mean, when I decided that um, I wanted to actually train like, Hey, like I want to go and run as fast as I can. Then Hobie was the one that came up with the specific 
let's train to break four minutes. It's like, let's do it. He's like, if you can do that, you'll be one of the only, like, I think at that time, only eight or nine high schoolers ever had broken four minutes in the mile. Now I think like up to like near 15 or so. And people are just getting faster and faster. It's ridiculous. But anyhow, um, so the whole specific like break four, that was started out as my dad's idea. And then I got on board with it. Um, but then just the more the time went by, the more I realized that I enjoyed cross country way more than I did track. I was like, I could just never get fully invested into training for just the mile. I was like, I enjoyed it and I had a good time, but I just had so much more fun doing cross country and cross country type of training. I was like, just the track has just never really been my favorite thing. And so it was my junior year of high school when I just finally went up to Hobie and I was like, hey, this just isn't working out for me. I was like, I don't, I don't really want to do actually that might've been my senior year. I can't remember now, but I was like, I just don't really want to train specifically for the smile anymore. I was like, it's just, I mean, it was kind of discouraging that I was only like barely getting to that four thirty mark, not that four flat mark. And I was like, mm -hmm. this just, this just isn't really working out, man. <laughs> he was like, well, you know, if we just like stick with it. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm just, I'm not enjoying it as much as I used to. You know, running was starting to kind of become more of a, more of a chore than something I was enjoying to do. And so that's when things like flipped for the whole mile, breaking four minutes in the mile. I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm just more of a cross country guy. And so I'm going to stop trying to fight that. And instead I'm just going to enjoy doing my cross country training. And that's what I decided I wanted to be better at was cross country than track. And so. Like, obviously, you knew you were a good runner, but all that aside, like, when you decided to make it your own, like, oh, like an objective measure where you're like, hey, I am pretty good at this. Like, I know I'm supposed to be because my dad was fast, but then you had your moment where you were like, yeah, I think I'm actually good. What what was that moment? My moment was probably my junior year of high school at state i was like my junior year of high school at state cross country i took i think it was ninth i think i took ninth place at state my junior year and i was like okay like you know what like things are starting to come together it's like i'm actually running pretty quick now against you know the entire state so like so things are things are going pretty well and that that was kind of the point when i realized i was like hey you know, I could, I have a chance of running in college. I was like, I could really do this. If I just stick with it for the rest of my junior year and then senior year, then I could go to college and I could actually be a pretty fast runner. And that was, that was when things, that was when things really started to like open up. Was that a difficult or scary conversation to have with Hobie to come up and say, I don't want your goal. Or is that the kind of thing like in the call family, you just speak your mind and you move on? It, it was a little bit of both. At first, I was like, it wasn't ever really a, like, I'm scared to tell him kind of a thing. It was more of a, we've been training for this and talking about this for so long that I was like, I don't want to disappoint him, you know? Mm -hmm. I was like, we've been having fun training together. And like, this isn't something that 
um, I get to do very often because Hobie, I mean, he's very specific in his training and like he trained by himself. He really did. Like he ran by himself every day and he worked out by himself every day. And so I was like, this has been fun. You know, it's been fun to train with him. And um, so it was never really like I was scared to tell him because I knew he wouldn't be mad. I just like, I personally just didn't want to kind of, you know, finally set rest to that dream and be like, yeah. Hey, you know, this just is working out for me. I was like, we've been having a great time. Um, but I want to do other things. And so never really scared, just more like sad to see it go kind of a thing. And how did that go over? It went over good. He was totally understanding. I mean, I'm sure he knew for a while just based off how my training was going and how I was going into some of these workouts. Like, uh, you know, I'm not really that excited or pumped to do this. And so I'm sure he saw it coming. Uh, but yeah, he was very understanding. He was like, I get it. He's like, and he's like, I'm glad that you finally said something. He's like, I completely agree. He's like, I'm the same way. He's like, us calls, he's like, we do what we want to do. And if it's something that we don't want to do, then we don't do it. He's like, that's just how it is. He's like, that's just how we are. And so he's like, I'm glad that you finally talked to me. And you're like, hey, you know, you made up your mind. This is what you want to do. And so now this is what this is what we're going to train for. And so he was very supportive. And then, of course, you know, he switched over to, you know, team cross country. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's do this thing. And then, yeah, it was great. So how did you wind up with Utah State? Utah State? Utah Valley. Utah Valley. UVU. Utah Valley. Yep. UVU. Yes. <laughs> how did you how did you wind up getting on on their radar? So um, my senior year of high school in cross country, I took third. And so that was the mm. best that I had done um, like place wise. It wasn't my fastest race, but it was the best that I had done competing against other schools. And so I took third at state and the assistant coach, coach Tim Roberry at that time um, from UVU came up to me. He's like, Hey, uh, you did awesome. And here's my card. And like, we're interested in talking to you about you coming and running for us. I was like, okay, awesome. Um, but the problem was, is that I had done homeschooling for half of high school and so I only actually went to high school for two years, um, and then the rest was homeschooling. And so I needed to get my GED to graduate. And then for NCAA purposes, then I wasn't eligible to run my freshman year of college. And so I actually went down to Southern Utah University over in Cedar City um, for a year. And then Southern Utah sounds familiar. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was fun. I loved it. I had a great time. SEU is a great school. Um, and so I went down there. I just focused on schoolwork and I'd run a little bit, but that was that was like the biggest since probably junior high. That was probably the biggest break that I ever took from running. I was like, I don't think I ran at all my first semester of college. And then my second semester, um, my grades were going well. And I found out that I would be eligible for to compete like under the NCAA. So to be able to run in college the following year. And so I was like, okay, it's time to start training again. And so then I started running again. Um, and so then, yeah. Isn't, after, there, isn't, there, uh, sorry to isn't there a little irony in the fact that you went to school to get uh, qualified to compete and go to school to run, and then you didn't run well in school? <laughs> 
which you were there for in order to get to school to run. I think that's ironic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then, um, so yeah, after I graduated or after I finished my first year at SUU, then I got a hold of UVU again. It's like, hey, are you guys still interested? Like, yeah, for sure. I was like, okay. Um, I was like, I just started running again. He was like, okay, awesome. He was like, you know, how fast do you think you could run so-and-so time or so-and-so race? And so I just kind of threw some numbers out there. He's like, how often you've been running? I was like, I'm running every day again. He's like, how many miles a week are you running? I think at that time I was running 55 to 60 miles a week. He's like, okay. He was like, awesome. He's like, we would love to have you. Uh, he's like, when can you come and like tour the school and meet us in person? I was like, well, you know, later during the summer would work great. And so then we started talking, we talked in person, um, and then they offered me a scholarship to come and run for them. And so that's when things were like finalized. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, you guys will, I was like, you guys will pay for my schooling to come and run for you. Then I was like, uh, yeah, a done deal. I was like, that's when I signed. That was when it was like official. I was like, okay, let's do this thing. You got a scholarship based off uh trust me, I think I could run this time right now. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I know, I, mean, I know you would earn that in high school. Yeah. Yeah. In high school, that's what, that's what made that possible for sure. I, that, that's the first I've heard of that. What, what do you think you could run right now? I could run, yeah. I could run 15 flat <laughs> right now. Sure. Why not? All right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll pay for you. That's awesome. So did you quick, like, did you start ramping up to make sure you could back that up when you got there? Yeah. Yeah. My, my freshman year, the, first year of running that I was there, I got onto their traveling team and started um, like getting points at meets and actually competing um, to the team's like overall status. And so, yeah, I was, from the very beginning, I was like, hey, you know, I'm here to compete. So that's what I'm going to do. And so every year that I've been there, I've been on their traveling team. Um, I've podiumed at multiple conference championships I've um, gotten my 5K, uh, my uh, my 5K PR is actually from my freshman year. I ran a 14:42 on the track, and then um, I haven't really had much track since then. I was like with COVID, and then with like an injury my sophomore year. Then everything else has just been cross country, really, and so I have no idea what I could run right now, to be honest. Um, so yeah, anyhow, but lots of, lots of cross country races, some pretty good times in there. My fastest cross country time has gotten down to a, a 24, 12, which was in eight K. Yeah. My fastest eight K has gotten down to a 24, 12 and I placed, we're in the most competitive uh, region like we have both NAU and BYU and Colorado and which are like three of the top five schools in the entire nation in our region <laughs> and so I have yet to actually make it to nationals but hopefully this will be the year um, my sophomore year of cross country then I placed I think it was like six or seven spots out of individually making it to nationals and so I was like I was so close I was like, that was my, that's been my best college performance yet. Was that your team doesn't, your team doesn't have much of a shot. This year we do actually. We've we've got a lot. Yeah. We've got a lot of returning athletes from that year. And then we've also got 
um, some transfers and some new guys that are pretty dang quick. And so this year we actually, we definitely stand the best chance. Um, let's see. So my sophomore year, we took fifth, I believe as a team. And I think that year, the top three went to nationals from that region. And so this year though, like I said, we have a lot of returners and we have some fast new guys. And so I think we definitely have the best shot at making it to nationals this year. Um, which I'm really hoping I will, because this will be my last cross country season for college running. And so I'm like, go out with a bang, you know, <laughs> that's the only way to go out, isn't it? Yep. I have a quick question about training. Um, considering Bracken and I both ran track and cross country in college as well. Um, so we're, we started with like a traditional run background. We did track work and we did classic cross country work and we, did all of the things that um, traditional running would do. And we didn't know any different because that's the only thing we had learned. But you, as a young man, learned a lot of left field training ideas and techniques. What you saw your father do is probably very different from what you all of a sudden were being prescribed in high school and college and any of that. Um, did you ever like flirt with the fringe working workouts? Like, cause you couldn't help yourself cause you saw that as a child or did you have no problem going right in and doing what, well, if your father isn't your coach anymore, what new coach tells you? Like, were you, I guess I'm wondering if you've ever dabbled or you've been pretty um, obedient, we will call it, to your traditional running currently. No, I have definitely dabbled. I have clashed horns with my college running <laughs> coaches <laughs> more than anybody else on my team combined. And uh -oh. we've had we've had quite a few uh, constructive words. <laughs> I was hoping this is where the conversation would go. Yeah, no, we've definitely had our moments uh, where we have not seen eye to eye on certain things. Um, the main one actually being tapering for races. Um, Hobie was like, you know what? It's like three to four days before your race. He's like, then you taper. He's like, if you have a hard speed workout three days before you race, he's like, then if you want to go and race as fast as you can, which I do, then he's like, then you need to take those speed workouts a little bit easier so that you go into it feeling fresh. Um, college coaches don't do that. It's like they only do that for the end of the season, for like conference and um, regionals. It's like those are like those are the only races that they – um, taper for. And I understand why they do that. But at the same time, I'm like, that's just not how I work. And so we, yeah, I've butt heads with my college coaches quite a few times. And I've had instances where they, they threatened to take me off the traveling team. They'd be like, there was, there was after one workout where I come in probably close to four seconds after the other guys did when we were doing 400 meter repeats on the track. And so they came in four seconds ahead of me on a 400 meter repeat. So like, that's a lot, that's a lot of distance in just a 400 meter repeat. I probably had a solid 60 meters behind them. And my coach was yelling at me. He was like, what the heck do you think you're doing? He's like, get up there with the rest of those guys. Like, that's where you should be at. That's where you've been at. And I was like, no, I, I'm not going to argue with you there. I was like, I agree. I was like, I could be there. And I have been many times before. I'm like, but I was like, we race in two and a half days. I'm like, I want to feel fresh. I want to go into this feeling fresh. He's like, 
he just kind of rolls his eyes be like hawk like how many times do we have to have this discussion you know <laughs> and I'd be like at least one more <laughs> and so and then he he was like he's like you know hawk he's like i put your name on that plane ticket he was like i can take it off just as easily and i just looked at him in the eyes i was like you know what coach you do what you think is best for the team. It's like, if you think someone else can race faster than me this weekend, then go ahead and switch out their name for mine. And then, of course, two days later, I was the one on the plane going to the meet. And so I was like, we we clash. We definitely do. We've had our moments when we've kind of had some argumentative words. But at the end of the day, though, then we get along pretty well. And, I mean, it's it's definitely been hard having – Hobie saying one thing that's like clear over here. And then my coach is saying one thing that's like clear over here. I was like, there's definitely been some struggle and a lot of thought and effort to find that middle ground. Um, Which honestly, I'm still not sure I've really found the middle ground. I mean, they have some very opposing views (laughs) on how to do things, but I think we need some more information because college coaches have really two schools of thought. One is we're going to race well and we're going to race our way towards nationals, conference nationals. The other is we're going to train through and then be at our best when it counts. Mm-hmm. But the, the minutia counts here. Are you guys tempoing your cross races or are you racing your cross races throughout the year? Like, do they want you to do well at the meet or are they saying we're going out at a prescribed, no one runs faster than 448 through the mile and we're packing together and then we'll cut down or is it go out there and race? Um, A little bit of both. I have had races to where my coaches have been like, hey, like I know we're not going into this fresh. They've never just like told us from the start, be like, hey, like just go and work out this race. Like they've never done that, but they have had us go through a hard week of training. And then before the race, they'll be like, look, like we trained through this race. And so we're not expecting you to go out and do anything crazy. He's like, so, you know, go out, race, get in a good race. But, you know, we understand that your guys are going to be feeling a bit beat up, which is, you know, kind of pretty much what you just said, but in different words. It's tough, though. It is. It is tough. Because you talk about BYU. You talk about NAU, you talk about Colorado, and they prescribe their races. They train through, but they prescribe their races. And and I'm not here to cast judgment upon coaching strategies, but it's tough when it's a bit of both. We want to train through, but we also don't mind if you race well and it leaves wiggle room for someone who might have a strong-willed self and a strong-willed parent to wiggle in that room. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely wiggle in that room because I personally, I have the attitude of like every race, like every time that I step on that start line, like I want to feel good and I want to race hard. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go into it feeling tired. I'm like, what's the, in my head, it's like, what's the difference between taking a workout earlier in the week a little bit easier so that I can race harder on Saturday than going harder earlier in the week so that I can race a little slower on Saturday. I'm like, either way, I'm going to be putting in the work one of those days. And so I personally much rather be like, I want to show up to the line and I want to win this thing. And so I want to feel a little more fresh. And I've definitely, yeah, I've had problems with the coaches with that before. And I'm sure I will again this last semester. But it's definitely (laughs) gotten better over the years. But no, there's definitely that wiggle room. And there have definitely been those times where our coaches are like, hey, we're training through this race. 
And then we've had other races. They're like, hey, this is a big race. We want you guys to feel good. And we want you to race it as hard as you can. You know, like we need those points. We need those places. And so you need to go and give it your best effort today. What I, uh, what I want to know is how you raced that weekend after you were dogging those quarter mile repeats, Hawk. Do you remember uh, how you raced that weekend? Yeah, I raced great, man. <laughs> I, that was, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I, I proved that the way that I did stuff for myself, you know, whether it be tapering or something else, I proved multiple times to my coaches that it works out for me. Like it may not work out for a whole team. Like I understand why they have to do things certain ways, but I'm like, I know my body pretty dang well. And so I'm like, I, I know what I need to do. And I proved that multiple times. I was like, I remember my freshman year, actually, this was one of the biggest. Yeah. If my coaches ever watch this, they're going to get mad at me. They're going to be like, what the heck, man, just going out and spilling all of our gossip. Um, <laughs> but I don't care. Oh. Well, the good news is is that we don't release video, only audio. So they'll have to oh, search even harder to find it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so anyhow, my freshman year, uh, it was the same thing. We had a race coming up. It was one of the first races of the season. They're like, we're training through it. We're not going to tape before it. It's, you know, it's fine. Just do whatever you can do. And I was like, no. I was like, I'm not going to do that. And so I tapered for it. And this is when I ran my fastest time. I won the meet. I beat our best guys on the team. There were two guys that were performing better than me pretty consistently in races. And I beat both of them. I broke the meet record and I set my PR of the 1442. And so I was like on top of the world. I was so happy with it. I was like, man, like this is awesome. Like it was a great race. And then uh, some of the guys on the team and some of my coaches were like, Hey, like, you know, like you did great, but like you tapered for it. They're like, they were like making up excuses for me doing well and for beating them. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, no, I was like, I worked my butt off for this and I beat you fair and square. I was like, you can't be upset with me if I was feeling a little bit fresher going into it. Like, uh, you know, we stepped on the start line. This was a race and I raced it and I beat you. And I had like coaches getting upset with me and being like, Hey, like you did great, but you know, you tapered for it. So like, eh, it sort of counts, sort of doesn't count. I'm like, who the heck do you think you are? I was like, get out of here, man. I was like, I'm, first of all, I'm your athlete. Like, you should be happy for me, not telling me that I should have pushed it harder on a workout earlier in the week. And so I was like, you know what? That that was that was the time when I was like, that was when I realized I was like, hey, you know, like I can sense we're gonna have some arguments in the future, but we're We'll get through it. (laughs) I think it's what makes coaching at the college level running. uh, It's what sets it apart from other sports because other sports are clearly either individual or team Mm -hmm. and track and cross country are both. And so if it were truly an individual sport, the coach would say, listen, I've got, I've got 12 horses out here. I've got nine horses or seven and they all need to be stroked a little bit differently. Like this one needs to, you got to slap it on the rump and get them going. And this one, you got to coddle them all week. We're going to make sure they all get across the finish line as fast as they can. But then we have the team and we, we got to race for the team. You got to pick up your teammate. We need your points and we need this. And we don't want to show anyone up in practice and we don't want to show anyone up on a race day. We all got to come in with the same amount of freshness. And they're both correct, but they both can't totally coexist because it's team and individual. 
Mm-hmm. And some, I, again, I won't cast any any judgments on it, but it puts a coach and an athlete in a difficult spot trying to decide, do I nurture the athlete individually or do I try to keep the team bonded over one specific goal? And there's not a lot of room for free thinking college runners. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I was like, I totally like, I've had multiple conversations with them where like we've sat down and like, look, like this is the reason that we do it the way we do. And I was like, I totally understand that. And for most of it, I even agree, if not for all of it. I was like, I agree with what you guys are saying. But I'm like, but when it comes down to it, like, I know what works best for my body better than you do. Like, I know you guys see me training and you guys know a lot. Don't get me wrong. And I agree with what you guys are saying. But still, when it actually comes down to like the final decision, like, I know my body better than you guys do. And so I know what's going to work better for me. And so then that's what I end up deciding to go with. And, you know, 90% of the time it works out fine and I race well and then they're happy with it. Like, yeah, like, you know, we're good. Like you kind of, you kind of do what you need to do. But then other times they'll be like, no, like, you know, we're your coaches. You need to do this. And so I definitely, I give and take, you know, there are days I'm like, okay, I'll do what you tell me to do. But then there are other days I'm like, hey, like, I know my body better than you do. And so I'm going to do what I think is best for me. And I completely agree. There's a huge, I mean, it's hard to keep track and keep 130 athletes on track. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not easy to do. (laughs) And so I totally, I definitely understand both sides for sure. Let's hope that your past, you know, four years there have, have convinced them that maybe they can allow you to, use your own approach at times because your performances have warranted that as you're talking about your coaches, I can't help but think two or wonder two things. And one is what are they going to think when they find out what you just did in Utah and how you've been training? Because for those of you who don't know, at least the way that college worked for me and probably Bracken was you get a general outline of what is expected of you as far as training goes over the summer mileage goals, long runs to hit, maybe some little bit of workouts, maybe not. But I can guarantee you that carrying a bucket and farmers carrying and running up mountains three times a week was not part of the plan. And so I'm just wondering what these coaches that you've already butt heads with, like if you're talking about going against the grain hawk, well, you've just, you know, put an exclamation point on that the last two months, son. What are they going (laughs) to think? What are they going to think about that? What do you what do you envision that conversation going like? <laughs> yeah, you know, I I feel like since I came out of it uninjured, then it's going to be okay. I was like, I feel like because I'm still going to be going into the season in good shape. Like I'll have to change my training a little bit, um, just to like get more specific on the you know like that flat speed instead of hill speed. Um, but for the most part, since I came out of it uninjured and I'm still in good shape, I've still been hitting some good cardio hours, still been getting some good, decent mileage, then I think it'll be okay. Um, but uh, there is a reason that I didn't ask them for permission in advance. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's, I mean, the OCR is great base building for cross country. I believe you just got to sprinkle a little speed on it and you're set. Exactly. Uh, curiosity I have for you. 
this is not continuing our track, but it kind of is in terms of doing things your own way and potentially butting heads with coaches. Uh, your dad was one of the only high-level runners I knew who was a huge proponent of a lot of barefoot stuff. You alluded to that earlier. He loves barefoot hiking, and he just did it a couple of years ago again. I'm going to hike to the top of Mount whatever barefoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he always did his gravel running. What was it? two mile or something, gravel jog barefoot to toughen his feet up. And he loved it. And he always did his workouts in his Nike waffle XCs or in his Brooks mock, what, like fours back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He was always in cross country flats or his OCR trail racers for everything. And I assume you grew up barefoot and in more minimal stuff, but then you go off to college and I don't know a single college who allows people to run their mileage in cross country spikes. So what, in high school, did you did you start transitioning, or was there an abrupt change in college? There, there was an abrupt change in high school. I did all of my runs in the Brooks Mock Sixes, which were literally a cross country racing flat. I was like, they had practically next to no cushion, and yeah, I did all my miles. I did all my workouts. I did all of my just normal runs. Everything, everything that I ran in was the Mock Sixteens. Were those the black and yellows or the blues? Those are the blue and whites. Yeah. Ooh, they yeah, were pretty. I ran, I ran for Stansbury. And so we, our school colors were black, blue, and white. And so those, those are the colorway I went with. Um, yeah, they're beautiful. I loved them. And then I went to college my freshman year. And I got up to running consistently close to 70 to 75 miles a week in those Brook Mock 16s. And then there was one week where I was like, you know what? I just can't do this anymore. I was like, my feet are dying. I was like, it worked in high school when I was running, you know, 25 miles a week. But now I'm running triple that. And I'm like, my feet are killing me. I was like, it just got to the point where I couldn't handle it anymore. And so then I had to make a change. And it was a pretty abrupt change. I went from those to, um, what were they? There were the adidas uh boston's the boston marathon shoes and so they were like technically they're still a racing flat but they had a lot more cushion than what i was used to and so um that's that's when i made that switch over from like bare minimalist shoe to something with a little more cushion and a little more stack height how come um how come with all of this not to jump around too much but i have like a question i've been wanting to ask and that is why did you only dabble with OCR through all of this versus like go for something? Because you knew you were fit and your your father would help you confirm that. I'm sure like, Hey, Hawk, if you wanted to, I'm sure you could go and, and do pretty well. Why did you wait so long? Um, honestly, I was worried that if I went into obstacle course racing, like went and did a Spartan um, earlier, then I would have decided not to go back to college running. I was like, I mean, it's so much stinking fun. And there's the possibility of podiuming and having that chance to take that money. And then, you know, with NCAA, you're not allowed to do that. And so with like any race earnings, like I can't keep it. And so I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to have my opportunity after these four years of running in college and I'll have the next, you know, decade if I want to, even two decades if I wanted to, to go and dabble around and um, professionally compete in OCR races. 
And so I was like, so for now, um, I decided, I was like, you know what? I want to run in college. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And so I told myself, I was like, no, no dabbling around in anything else because I've only got this four-year window to do this. And so I'm going to be 100% dedicated to what I'm doing now. And then when I'm done with that, then I'll jump into other things. But then this summer, Hobie convinced me to. And I was like, you know what? I've got one more semester. Why not? You know, this could be a good kind of see where I'm at, see what I could do. And so I decided to do it. Is this a one-off for 2021 or cross will end and you're going to have time to get fit for Tahoe? What are, what are we going to yeah, see here? It's, it's most likely going to be a one and done for 2021. Um, if how, we, we'll find out how much Hobie you have in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, um, if we make it to nationals as a team or if I make it there individually, then I won't be done running in college until I think like midway through November. Um, so, cause the season goes pretty far. And so I don't know if, um, if I'd be able to compete in any other races before Dubai, before the world championships. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, if, if I could get myself to Dubai, then that'd be awesome. And I'd go for it. I trained for that month and a half before the race, like nobody's business. And I mean, I'd be coming off a fast cross country season. So I think that I could do well, but I would be surprised if I could get myself there though. Like I'm just, I'm a broke college student. I'm not going to have the money to get myself to Dubai. And then with Spartan, with everything that just went down last week, they're pro athletes. And I'm like, I'm most likely not going to be able to get them to pay for it either. And so I'm like, I just don't think that I'd be able to make it to any more races this year. Um, but if I do somehow find my way to one of those last races, then I definitely will. And I'll, of course, I mean, I'll go for the win. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm here to do. So <laughs> how much did you make in Utah that you couldn't keep? Utah that I could keep? Couldn't. Oh, couldn't. Um, well, let's see. Probably. It's like twelve hundred bucks or something for third, I think. Yeah, I think it's eight hundred. I think it's eight hundred bucks for third, right? Maybe it's twelve hundred bucks. I actually, I don't even know. I've taken a couple. I've taken a couple of fourths, and then fourth, fourth. I think I got paid nine hundred each time or something oh, like that. So okay. I would imagine it's a little more than that. But maybe some yeah. anonymous benefactor will take that money and pay for your Dubai flight. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be very nice. Um, if if flights and finances weren't an issue, would you be dreaming about Dubai or Abu Dhabi? For sure. Yeah. Most definitely. No, if I I mean, if I knew that I could make it there, then I would actually I'd keep up some of this um obstacle course training through cross country season just so that I don't have to get through as much of a transition. Um, for that like month and a half leading up to the world championships. It's it, it'd be three weeks in case you're wondering, cause oh, three weeks. So that's even shorter than I thought. Well, yeah, well, yeah it'd be a grind. <laughs> you're usually around the 20th of November, give or take three days for NCAAs. And then Abu Dhabi's like December 4th or something. Or oh, seven. Okay. I mean, you'd have, I like, you'd have like three weeks. So you're going to have to do those yeah. workouts, like in the dark, somewhere away from your teammates and coaches. 
Yeah. Be real sneaky. I uh, I was impressed yeah. actually about. I was impressed. You had a. I have actually a specific question I want to ask you about this, but um, first you had a bunch of teammates. You had like a swarm of people following you through the obstacle gauntlet at the end, which was pretty <laughs> cool to see. You don't always see that, and you might have had a dozen people following you. I assume some of those were your teammates. Yeah. Yeah. Family members. Family members and teammates. Yep. Okay, and then I was told, now tell me if I'm incorrect here, and maybe this is Benny Gifford just being a goofball, but um, was one of your teammates or friends out there heckling Ryan Atkins on the course? <laughs> Did one of your teammates <laughs> grab a camera from the cameraman who couldn't keep up to Ryan Atkins and do some filming and heckling along the way? He, Can you confirm or deny this? I, he did not ever run with the camera. That 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 he did not do that, but yes, he he definitely did some heckling, and he did ask the cameraman. We were we got to one of the downhill sections, and this teammate um, Blaze actually um, he has been training with me these past eight weeks for this race as well, um, but then didn't end up doing it. But he's been training with me, and so yeah, he showed up to the race, and yeah, he he was heckling Ryan out there like while we were racing. I was like, Blaze, like, you know, get out of here. <laughs> give, give me an example of some of the things that were said. Because if I'm not mistaken, basically Atkins at one point said, like, piss off. Pretty much. <laughs> you nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. He was like, I don't know who you are. He was like, he was like, I don't know who you are. Get the heck out of here, man. Um, no, uh, yeah. Blaze was like, we got to one of the downhill sections. And um, he was like, hey. Uh, that guy ahead of you, he's like, he's fast. He's like, he's like, you better, it's like, you want to beat him, you better catch him. <laughs> and, and then also to one of the cameramen, he was like, hey, like, Hawk's getting, like, he's getting ahead. Like, give me the camera, I'll go catch up to him. <laughs> and the camera guy was like, no, like, I'm not, I'm not giving you my camera. Like, I don't even know who you are. Get out of here. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's a character, man, for sure. That's, yeah, he's we've been best friends since high school actually. And yeah, he's So yeah, I can confirm some of it some of it Benny may have been exaggerating a little, but no, there yeah, some of that is true. <laughs> Bracken, will you will you come to Asheville with me here in a week and a half and just start smack talking everybody either in front <laughs> or behind me? Could you do that yep. for me? Absolutely. Right there. That's a good friend right there. Uh two questions not related to each other. But before we run out of time, I want to hit them both. So first of all, are you going to be bringing teammates and buddies over into the sport when you guys are done with cross? I sure hope so. Yeah. Blaze, like I said, Blaze, he was training for me. We're training for me, training with me for the past uh, eight weeks when I was training for this. Um, he wants to get into it. And then I also have another teammate that he actually messaged me um, after this race this weekend. And he was like, hey, like I saw how good you did. Like that was awesome. Um, he was like, uh, when I graduate, he's like, then I want to train with you for one of these for a little bit. And like, I want to do one, see how I would do. Like, it looked like a lot of fun. I was like, heck yeah. I was like, for sure. Like the more the merrier, man. And so definitely two. Um, and then there's one other guy, uh, that I think I can convince to come and do one with me. Yeah. Um, but then honestly, I could maybe get a couple other guys. I could probably, I can maybe get like three or five tops. But most of the guys on the team, though, they aren't as, like, leeway as me. It's like they, they're, they're more, like, 
no, like that sounds like I'm going to hurt myself. And so I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But yeah, hopefully though, I'll be able to get at least a few guys to come and do some with me. And then having seen the field now, you climbed with them, you descended with them. Where, where do you find yourself stacking up already? Because it appeared as if you were, after Ryan passed you, it looked like you caught up once or twice before he finally separated. And it looked like you did it on some downhills. Yeah. Are, are you already descending with some of the best descenders? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I'm confident <laughs> that, was, that. That was a heavy smug smirk oh, yeah. if I've ever uh, seen one. I'm confident that I can descend faster than any of those guys, straight up. I was like, I was, I, um, honestly, this may be me being a little cocky, but uh, I feel like if that third major ascent where Atkins caught me, at around mile, I think that was around mile 10, roughly. Um, I think if that would have been a flat section, then I think I could have been within 10 seconds of him, either behind or ahead. I was like, I honestly think because he um, he's fast and he's strong, um, especially on those sen- ascents and heavier carries. But as far as the actual running goes – then as long as we're not just spending a ton of time power hiking up these really steep hills, like if it was a little bit of a flatter of a course, then I think I really could have given a run for his money, possibly even beaten him. And then my downhill, nobody can keep up with my downhill. It's like, I, I'm confident in saying that. I, I'm, not, I'm not scared of anybody in the field beating me. Are you a better descender than Hobie? That's a good question, actually. Uh, <laughs> right now, yes. Um, but a year from now, we'll see. Cause he, he is an animal on those descents and I'm definitely quick, but we'll see. I'm confident that it will be one heck of a race. <laughs> Everyone who entered the sport had Hobie as the target. Mm-hmm. And we all, anyone who is fortunate enough to ever catch him on a bad day or catch him slipping, everyone has that moment the first time they beat him. The first time Hunter beat him is still yeah. one of the greatest moments of his life. The first time I beat him, uh, he missed a spear throw and I didn't care. I loved <laughs> it. And we all have that moment. Like that's in my running career. The first time I beat Hobie is one of the proudest moments of my life. Like every he's the barometer for if you were good, decent, or great in the sport. However many times he considered you a competitor means how good you were. And because he rarely ever considered me a competitor means I was, I was okay. But like, you know, Hunter was very good because Hobie would think about him maybe sometimes in a race. You know, like he was the barometer for everyone. Have you had an athletic moment yet where you've had your Hobie victory or are you waiting for him to get on course so you can take it head to head on his terrain? Because most people surpass their dads early. <laughs> yeah. But he's not um, a normal father. Yeah, honestly, hmm. I guess there have been a couple times. But God, that's kind of hard to answer. Let's see. So when my senior year, we did um, end up doing the mile anyways. Like even though we decided not to specifically train for it anymore – then um, he raced a mile up at Park City at my um, regional meet. 
And so we didn't actually race head to head, but in the same season, I ran a faster mile than he did. And so there was that time that like kind of counted, but at the same time, like we weren't racing head to head. And so it wasn't really quite that like victory that I was hoping for. It wasn't Um, clear cut. How close was it? Yeah, it wasn't clear cut. Exactly. Um, How close was it? Yeah. What'd you guys run? I think it was like four second difference. I ran a four, uh, like a four thirty two, and I think he ran like a four like thirty six or thirty seven. Okay. So it's just a few seconds at five thousand or six thousand feet altitude. Uh, well, yeah, whatever Park City's at, I don't actually know, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was one time when we were in Wyoming on family vacation. And in Star Valley, where he grew up, and he had this run that he would do when he was in high school. And so we went and ran it against each other, like as a workout, but like we were racing each other and I smoked him and it was satisfying. <laughs> it was so satisfying. Oh my gosh. You have no idea. I was like, that, that was the first time that I had ever beaten him head to head. And that was probably, ah, dang, I can't remember when that was. That might've been when I was in college. I was like, it literally took me probably 18, 19 years to beat him in a race. And yeah, it was up. Um, it was uphill. All, the whole thing, the whole race was uphill up to the star on the mountainside in Star Valley. And um, yeah, I even, I even went the wrong way. I was like, which way, which way? And he, you know, because he was behind me by like 10 or 15 feet. And so him being the, you know, smart aleck that he is, wouldn't tell me which way. And so then I had to choose, and of course I chose the wrong way. And so then I looked back, and he's running the other way, and I was like, "That dirty bugger!" So I had to turn around, catch him, and then I still beat him. And I was like, "That that that right there was my most uh, satisfying moment beating Hobie Call." But he is planning on coming out of retirement, though, and for so next season. for next season. And so if he can get to the point to where he actually tells me like truthfully face to face that he's in good shape. And then I go and beat him in one of those races that season. That'll be that moment because I don't really know exactly how good of shape he was in when I beat him in star Valley. Like he was running, but he wasn't at his like top OCR performance, you know, and he probably won't get there again, but he is a strong bugger though. And so I he think he ages well. I think he could get pretty he does age well. So I think he could get pretty dang close. And so if he gets to the point to where he's like, you know what, I'm ready to compete, and then I beat him next year, that that'll be that like defining moment. So I've had a couple like you know, like 80, 90 percent defining yeah. moments, but never fully where I was like, he's in good shape right now, but I'm in even better shape right now. I still haven't quite had that moment, but I've come close a couple times, which has been very satisfying. <laughs> and I don't know if everyone realizes how much of a trash talker your father is. Oh, he talks so much. Oh, yeah. Like that man, he has the most PG, polite, disrespectful trash talk game there is, where he'll just oh, yeah. give you his little Hobie grin and mm-hmm. just tell you, like, you'll never touch me ever. Yeah, I'm going to smile doing it. So are you going to give it back to him on course? Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm so excited, man. We trash talk all the time. Our entire family does. Like we we can be playing board games or anything. We can be doing anything. And we'll just start trash talking each other like up the wall. 
I mean, and it, it is so much fun. I love it. And so, yeah, when we're out on race course, are you kidding me? When I blast down that man going downhill, I'm going to be like, you know, what up? Once upon a time, great descender, you know? Welcome to the new age. <laughs> I mean, <I'm, laughs> we're going to have so much fun. I really hope that his hernia recovery goes well. So far, it has been. And so I'm super excited because if I can race him when he's in great shape, I mean, that's like, I mean, that's a dream come true right there. And so yeah, I'm so excited. And there will be a lot of trash talk. I think, like, this hope so adored, you know, your father. We all assume – that his son is going to be just uh, another, you know, younger model of Hobie. And we assume all his attributes are now you. I think a lot of people are assuming that. But I, I have to imagine that's not all true. So, like, how are you and your father similar? And how are you different? Like, what can we expect, We, you know, comparatively, personality-wise and all? Um. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely are pretty similar. I mean, we both like to trash talk. We both like to, you know, smile out there on the course and have a good time. Um, but I don't know. That's a hard, it's a hard question. My dad, um, for one, he was a little more serious. I was like, at least when it came to his like his training and his racing. Then like he was a very serious guy. Like on race day, when you would see him, then he'd be you know like all smiles and everything. But like when he when he wasn't racing though, like he he was a serious guy. Like he he trained a lot and he trained hard, and that was like that was his life was training and running. And so that's one way that we're a little different. Is like I'm a little more I'm a little more loose with that kind of stuff. Sorry. My roommate's doing dishes. <laughs> Moving to my bedroom real quick. Um, yeah, he. Um, I'm a little more loose when it comes to training per se than he is. Um, personality wise, uh, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, we both. <laughs> we're like both pretty similar. We're to me. both pretty energetic. We both like trash talk. Uh, we're not afraid to say what's on our mind. What do you guys butt heads about, if anything? Or it sounds like you, you don't very often. We don't very often. Um, I don't know, man. I was like, he, I mean, some, some religion and politics stuff. <laughs> athletically, how do you differ athletically? Because you, you don't run, you have, you know how you can tell when people are in the same family, they kind of walk the same, they have the same posture. Like watching you run on there, like your shoulders, your back. I thought that looks reminiscent of what I ran behind for many years, but it's not the same stride. Your dad's like a little water no. bug. He just like he never touches the ground fully. He's just on a, and you have a longer. So you guys definitely have different mechanics. Athletically, oh, yeah. if you had to like line yourself up in a video game with your attribute points, where do you differ? Like what do you bring to the table that he doesn't? And what do you still have to make up ground on him? Um, I definitely have a longer stride for sure. Like, like you said, I mean, when he runs, like his very, his very high, like cadence, he's just do, 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 do. Um, I definitely have a longer stride. Um, I've got more, um, like leg speed in general. Like if we were to race, like just a race with no obstacles, then I would definitely beat him. 
like anywhere from probably the 400 meter to 10k 20k i mean it doesn't really matter like i've i've definitely got more leg speed than he does um but his what about at your age at my age um no yeah at my age i am running faster times right now than he was yeah um once he got into his marathon training though which was probably around 24 or 25 probably is when he really started like doing his marathon stuff and then like into his early 30s um then he started getting a lot more endurance and a lot more speed um but yeah so he's definitely got a shorter cadence which so like if i was to compare him for ocr specifically um he his uphill is unreal i mean that man like he can power uphill at a ridiculous pace and i think that's because partially because he has that shorter cadence and so when it gets to those steeper uphills he can just do 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 well i'm like almost kind of like bouncing around a little too much my stride is just a little too long it takes a little more work for me to get like into that not necessarily comfortable zone but just like into that uphill zone and hobie he can switch over ridiculously quick like he can get into that zone of just powering uphill really fast and then he can hit the downhill and take the downhill really quickly too um but as far as like the flat though i've got him on the flat um on the descents i it'll be really close on the ascents though on those uphills he can power like i cannot i i mean i've tried i've had workouts in past years that i've done with him up on the hills behind our house and he can just pick up that rock and just power up that sucker and he gets quite a bit of distance on me within the span of like 100 meters so yeah yeah what, what was he 33 when he ran his first race oh yeah yeah he's got he's got a lot more experience on me you have 11 years to catch up to that uphill power yep exactly let's um let, let's talk about your your future just real quick as we're kind of nearing time a little bit um so i if i'm understanding correctly your intention is to finish out your cross-country season give everything you've got in a perfect world you or your team or both qualify for nationals and go and you have a great season and then after that you your pursuit of speed doesn't seem as important as your pursuit of uh ocr is that is that correct then you're going to switch gears fully that's your intent you don't intend to beat your father's marathon time or go do any of that no what that, are your plans that, that is correct yeah i once i finish up this school year and finish up this last season across then i will be going into ocr training and ocr racing competitively that's that is my plan i yeah i don't really honestly i ran a marathon once i was like me and a buddy who were like hey you know this was last year when track had just gotten canceled from covid and so we had i mean nothing specifically to train for at that time and so me and a buddy were like hey let's go run a marathon and i was like oh, that sounds awful like i don't want to do that and he's like oh like let's just do it so we literally we went to a park that had a mile and a half loop on grass and we ran a marathon on it and that was one of the worst experiences of my life 
I was like, I have no interest in running a marathon anytime soon. <laughs> and so that it was for my dad. He had a great time. But for me personally, I do not plan on pursuing a marathon career whatsoever. And so I will switch over to uh, obstacle course racing uh, full time. That is the plan. Okay. Yep. Starting? Starting 2022. Yeah, that's when I plan to have my first full season of racing Spartan. And I'm sure I'll do other races here and there too, but Spartan is the main is the main one. Um one, so, one yeah. thing about your father one thing about your father was he he had no problem stating his intentions and his predictions for himself. He would say, I'm going to go win the US National Series and I'm coming back and then what does he do? He goes and wins the US National Series. Maybe a little ahead of ourselves here, but what are you going to do when you come into the sport, Hawk? Oh I'm full time. I'm going to win for sure. After this last, just (laughs) to all my competitors out there, think of it like this. I trained for eight weeks specifically for OCR and I took third place at arguably one of the hardest Spartan races. It's a beast. It's a championship and it's in Utah with lots of elevation gain. So, you know, besides maybe like Vermont, and maybe one or two other races that Spartan puts on, it's one of the harder ones. And I came in third, and I gave Atkins a run for his money. I mean, I literally had that man turning around and looking to see where I was and tripping while doing it. Not even kidding. And so I'm, I'm coming for those top guys. And so next year, after my cross season, and, you know, barring injury or anything like that, then I, I plan on podiuming every time, and I plan on going for that overall uh, championship. And so, I'm yeah, I'm coming for first place. So, you know, everyone watch out. <laughs> what do you say to that? I mean, do we end there? <laughs> <laughs> How do you top that? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, wore those, uh, I wore those pirate shorts on Saturday specifically to grab people's attention and to put a target on my back. And so or on your butt or on my butt. Yeah. <laughs> more specifically put a target on my butt. And I feel like I did that last Saturday and I plan on continuing to do that throughout the entire season next year. So I'm excited. There were people who would say, and I think we alluded to it on our last podcast that you were racing in your backyard at altitude against people who weren't all at altitude. Uh, you grew up playing this sport, so the the learning curve is not going to be as steep for you. It was just a case of it was a great course for you. To all the people who think that and forgot that you only ran eight weeks of hills leading up to it and coming off cross, what is your best style of course? Where would you do best? I would do best in a super that is roughly eight to ten miles with – maybe 2,000 or less feet of elevation gain. That course right there, an eight-mile course that's a little flatter than the Utah Beast that I just ran, that would be like that would be like perfect conditions for me. But I'm going to have uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? I'm going to have some range. I mean, I've, I've got some fast – I can throw down a fast 5K. And so those sprints, especially ones I work on my bucket carries and like farmer's carries and that kind of stuff, 
when I'm not wasting time on those heavier obstacles, which will probably only take me three months, three months of solid, consistent OCR training, and I'm not going to be wasting close to as much time as I was last weekend. And so those sprints, I've got the leg speed, and I'm going to get the upper body endurance pretty early on in the season. And so by that second or third race, it doesn't matter what distance it is. Like I'm, I'm going to be one to compete with. I like it. Last thing I have for you then is you coming off college, you get to do whatever you want with your training. Now your dad's going to be chirping in your ear. Your buddies are going to be wanting you go for runs. What is your pursuit of fitness going to look like now? My pursuit of fitness is going to be roughly an hour and 15 minutes of running cardio time in the mountains four times a week. I've, I've actually, I've put a quite a bit, thought, a bit of thought into this. And so I I, I'm planning on averaging an hour and 15 of running cardio Monday through Saturday with a long run of upwards to two to two and a half hours, just so that I can keep that endurance for those beast courses that come up and then speed work two to three times a week. And then a lot more, maybe not necessarily a lot more uh, like bucket carries and stuff like that, but longer, harder bucket carries. And so not necessarily more frequently, just when I do them, they're going to be more intense so that I can build up that upper body endurance. And then also I'll probably put on an extra five pounds just to help with that uh, Hercules hoist. Yeah. Higher flip. <laughs> I'm just a little too skinny for those obstacles right now. But if I can get another five pounds of, you know, just pure endurance and muscle, then I think I'll be able to get through those obstacles just quick enough to not have it hinder me against some of those bigger guys like Atkins and, I mean, really anybody else in the sport. I was, you know, skinniest, scrawniest little guy out there on Saturday. So, <laughs> Your dad didn't periodize. Hobie didn't do much of that. He did micro changes to a cycle, and he was maybe the most repetitive athlete I've ever met in my life. Sounds like you're going to do a bit of that. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. My, my training will be very similar to my dad's in the fact that it will be very consistent and I'll be doing the same things over and over and over again. Like there's not going to be much changes to workouts. Like once I figure out what works good for me, then that is what I'll stick with for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. But the main difference will be, um, he did a lot of intense biking to make up for that. Um, I mean, not necessarily lack of, but basically he switched out his running hours with biking hours. I will not be doing much biking hours. That is the main difference that I'll have between my dad, what he did and what worked for him and what works for me. What works for me personally is more actual running. So I will be spending more time running than he ever did. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. He had to put his decade in to get to 33 exactly. so he could start doing low mileage. So yep. why shouldn't you? Well, I'll tell you what, man, I'm, uh, uh yeah, you're, you're going to the same place I am. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this show. I wish I didn't have to wait. Uh, wish I didn't have to wait six to nine months for it, Hawk, but I guess I'll be patient. See what happens. 
Yeah, me too, man. I, I really wish that I could finish up this season. That would be great. That would be so much fun. But, you know, just just one more year. Next season, I'll be there. So I'm excited. Well, I'm pumped for it. Thanks for thanks for chatting today. It's uh, It was a, a bit of a trip down memory lane for me. And also we get that glimpse into the future. So this is exciting. These are exciting times. We, we've been asking for new life into the sport. And all of a sudden, we're going to find out maybe we didn't want it as badly as we wanted it. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to replay your, uh, your predictions for next season to you if they don't pan out to rub it in your face, Hawks. Now you got to back them up. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. It was fun.